well, today we're thinking about anxiety or worry. Uh, I'm going to use those terms interchangeably. Just discl full disclosure, I'm not a counsellor, I'm not a health professional, um, so this isn't medical advice and uh, I certainly don't want to say all you need to do is listen to what I'm saying here. Um, if this is some, something you're struggling with, um, as Matt said, it uh, may be a good thing for you to see professionals. So what is anxiety or, or worry? How is it different from stress? Uh, at the risk of oversimplification, uh, stress or, or fear is about how you react to a situation you're facing right now. Uh, but anxiety or worry is uh, a fear of what might happen later. So that might be helpful. This is something that you're not actually facing right at the moment. That, that's anxiety. You're, you're thinking about the future, about what might come tomorrow. Uh, now, life is full of difficult situations, uh, things that would cause us to worry. Climate change, computer hacking, uh, nuclear attacks, housing affordability, unpaid bills, car repairs, work pressures, passing school exams, many more. Uh, in the world of social media, there's even anxiety that we might miss out on something. Uh, FOMO, that's anxiety, isn't it? If you might miss out. Well, you might. Uh, or as Charlie Brown says, our world is just full of anxiety. Even our anxieties have anxieties. Uh, the reality is all of us feel anxious, as Matt said, at different times. Uh, for most of us, though, uh, that stress or that anxiety, it'll pass once the, the stressful situation is over. Uh, but anxiety disorder or clinical anxiety uh, is when those feelings don't go away, uh, when they happen without any particular reason. Uh, anxiety as a disorder is reaching epidemic proportions in Australia. Uh, Beyond Blue says it's the most common mental health condition in Australia. Uh, two million sufferers, twice as many as depression which surprised me. Uh, anxiety disorder in the short term can lead to panic attacks, heart palpitations, chest pains, lightheadedness, sleep deprivation. Uh, in the longer term, symptoms like a suppressed immune system, irritable bowel syndrome, an increased risk of diabetes, high blood pressure or heart disease. Now, it's sobering, isn't it? Nice and cheery. Come along to church and be cheered up. But in the midst of all of that... Jesus commands us in Luke 12, 22, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. God encourages us in 1 Peter 5, 7 to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, God commands us, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he gives this wonderful promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. They're great promises there, aren't they, for those of us who feel anxious. But how do we do that? How do we just not worry? You know, um, how can we take our eyes off the, the storms in our life and instead cast our anxieties onto God? How do we go about just making this world smaller and making God bigger? Well, I want to suggest Jesus gives us some answers here in Luke chapter 12. Uh, the master uh, 
physician looks at our anxieties and he offers us three treatments. Uh, Firstly, he says to change your perspective. Secondly, to change who you trust. And thirdly, to change what you love. So firstly, change your perspective. Change the way you look at things. Uh, Change the importance that you place in things. So in verse 22, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Now one of the things anxiety does is it makes a problem seem more important than it really is. The more we think about this issue, the more it grows and grows until it seems like it's the most important thing in the world. And it feels like the world will end if that thing that you're anxious about actually happens. If people laugh at what you wear to that event. Or if you fail that subject. Or if your electricity gets cut off. Or if you catch COVID. Or if you miss your flight. Or if you lose your phone. But Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you eat or wear, because life is more, or perhaps a better translation is, because life is greater than food and clothes. Don't make small things into great things. Don't make them more seem to be bigger than they actually are. I think Jesus is saying that God has given you life, that's actually the greater thing. Why would he not give you a small thing like food that will nourish the life that he's given you? Uh, He's given you your body, which is the greater thing. Why would he not give you clothes to cover that body? Life is bigger than the things that you're anxious about. Uh, Which includes life is bigger than than just this earthly life. Uh, It includes eternity. Life is bigger than just this earthly life. The context that Jesus makes these promises in is the story he's just told about the rich fool. Uh, That's there from verse 13. Uh, The rich fool uh, was worried about the crop that he'd grown and so he built bigger barns to store it all. And then he made plans to enjoy his life with all of the goods that he had stored up. But he forgot that this life was not just this earthly life. He forgot to plan for eternity. He forgot that God held his life in his hands. He forgot that this life was more than just this earthly life. Eternity is real. Death is real. Judgment is real. Heaven and hell are real. And Jesus says it doesn't make sense to focus on things which are temporary and small and then forget about the things which are eternal and big. That's the right way to think about earthly things. Uh, Don't give them more importance, more value, more significance than they really deserve. What matters most is being rich towards God. Uh, Being rich towards God, I think, in the context means uh, whether God knows you, whether you are living for him, whether you know Jesus. So there's the first treatment for anxiety, changing your perspective having the right perspective on those things that make you anxious. Uh, The second step in treating anxiety is to change who you trust. Uh, From verse 24, after saying not to worry about food or clothes, Jesus goes on to point 
his listeners to God. It's not enough just to recognise that there are bigger things than clothes. Uh, If we just stopped at uh, treatment number one, then all you would do would be to transfer your worry from small things to bigger things. (laughs) You would worry about eternity uh, rather than just about this life. Oh, goodness, you're right. Life is more than just clothes. I have so much more to worry about. That wouldn't make sense, would it? Uh, Your worry may increase. You would end up replacing one set of small worries with another set of even bigger worries. Uh, The reality is your life is too big for you to deal with. Uh, We have to learn to, to trust God in that. He is big enough and good enough and he cares enough to give us what he knows we need. Verse 24, Jesus says, Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Birds don't worry. And they're not valuable, but God feeds them and gives them life. He'll look after you much more than them. Same with the flowers, verse 27. They don't labour or spin. They don't shop. They don't buy, they don't save for clothes, but God dresses them more richly than King Solomon. How much more, verse 28, will he clothe you, O you of little faith? You're more important to God than birds and flowers. He's given you life. He's given you a wonderful body that works. So trust him for the much smaller things. Trust him for the bills, for your health, for driving along that busy road. Trust him for your plane trip or your university marks or your children's future. Trust him in the face of inflation and housing unaffordability and climate change. Now, did you notice Jesus' remarkably realistic observation? Have have a look in verse 25. Uh, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? You are not God. That job's already taken. He is the one who gives life. Worrying does nothing. Leave the responsibility for the length of your life up to him. Now, I love the way Jesus says that's only a little thing to lengthen your life. You know, well, he is God, so it is a pretty small thing, really. We can't do it. But he can. Uh, Worrying will not help you lengthen your life. Notice too the connection between worry and unbelief. At the end of verse 28, O you of little faith, Jesus says, when we worry about things, we're not trusting God. We are trusting ourselves. We are trusting our ability to fix things or really our inability to fix things. When we worry, we're not trusting God. Worrying makes problems big and God small. Jesus reminds us when we're anxious that God cares, he knows what we need and he generously provides. And that's one of the things that we learn from Psalm 94. It's printed there at the top of the page. We didn't read it. We're not going to look at it in great detail. Uh, The key... Uh, to not being anxious in the face of uh, some of these very stressful situations is to remember who God is and to trust him. 
That's the lesson uh, from Psalm 94. The context for the psalm is uh, someone is suffering injustice. Uh, The wicked are crushing God's people uh, and they're, they're longing for relief. They're waiting for God to act. And if they're going to be able to do that, if they're going to be able to wait without giving up, they need to remember about God's character. They need to remember that he sees and he cares and he can do something about their situation. So if, you, if you're looking at the psalm just in front of you, it's on the, in, on the, on the bulletin on the inside of that sheet there, you can see that verse 1, uh, the, uh, the title for God is the God who avenges. Now you might think, oh, that's a bit violent, that's a bit aggressive, isn't it? But look, if you're suffering, that's a wonderful title, isn't it? That God is the one who brings justice, who brings retribution, who makes things fair and evens things up. Verse 2, he's the judge of the earth. Uh, Verses 8 to 11, uh, we find out how foolish it is to imagine that God God can't see or or hear or discipline uh, his creatures. Uh, Verse 14, God will not reject his people. He's made promises. And there are these wonderful verses about the faithful person who can suffer injustice. He's able to say, because of all these things about God, verse 18, When I said my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. That's the lesson Jesus is teaching us here in Luke 12. The key to dealing with your anxiety is to change who you trust. To trust the God who sees and cares and can do something about the things you're anxious about. Now, one practical way to do that, to to be able to trust God, is to to hand stuff over to him in prayer. Now, we know it with our heads, don't we? But we're so quick to forget to pray. Uh, Too often prayer is our last thought rather than our first thought. We pray when nothing else works. Pray all the time about everything. Train yourself for it to be your first instinct, not your last. That's the advice of Philippians 4, 6 and 7, isn't it? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hand it over to him. You don't have to fix it or control it. Let God be God. And the wonderful promise we we see there, as we begin to adjust our response from anxious stress to to humble prayer, uh, God promises us his peace. A trusting contentment. He promises us calm in the storm. So there's the second treatment for anxiety from Jesus. Change who you trust. Uh, Jesus' third treatment for anxiety is to change what you love. Change what you love. Have a look at verse 29. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. 
Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The heart of the problem when it comes to anxiety, says Jesus, is the problem of your heart. Anxiety at its root is a heart problem. We love certain things and and then we, we become anxious that we may not get those things. Uh, Let me tell you, uh, let me sort of put some uh, flesh on that. Uh, There are things in our life that we are tempted to love more than God. Uh, Comfort, power, or or, uh, then there's control and approval. They're four of the sort of things in our life that that we want to get and we get anxious when we don't receive them. So how might that work in practice? Well, you're anxious about unpaid bills. Why? Well, because you love money. You love the power that comes from having money and having things uh, all organised. You're anxious about health epidemics, housing affordability, terrorism, because you love safety and comfort for yourself, for your family. Uh, You're anxious about work pressures, passing exams, uh, achieving all the things on your list, because you love, perhaps, uh, the acceptance and the approval of people, uh, that they will think you're doing a good job. Uh, You're anxious about mess or recycling or a clean house or not having people over, whatever it might be, because you love control, you love things to be organised and just so. But Jesus says instead of loving those things, instead of setting your heart on those things, You need to set your heart on the right thing. You need to treasure the thing that is most valuable. Make that your top priority, which is God's kingdom. The things to do with God, the things that happen, the things that you do that make God king, that show that he's king. And he loves to give you his kingdom when you seek it. Now, how do we do that? Well, I think the way we seek God's kingdom is we do it one small decision at a time. Life is a hundred small decisions and as we take them, we begin to choose God's kingdom. We gradually choose his kingdom more and more. We turn away from seeking the world and instead seek God's kingdom. Jesus gives us some examples or one example. Seek his kingdom, what might that look like? Well, he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Choose the things that will last, that are most valuable. Jesus gives the example of possessions and money. It may mean making the choice to sell some possessions. Or perhaps it might mean keeping your old phone or your old car rather than upgrading them. Perhaps it'll mean holidaying locally rather than overseas. So that instead you might support a missionary or give regularly to to church instead. You have the choice uh, to choose God's kingdom or the choice to, to go for the power that comes with your money. Uh, Seek first God's kingdom. Perhaps it's going to mean finding a new group of friends or or, or getting off social media 
or finding a lower paid, less stressful job. Uh, Rearranging your schedule so home group night is free. That's choosing God's kingdom over the approval of others. It may mean challenging yourself in some of your life decisions, getting out of your comfort zone, perhaps moving work around so that you can teach scripture in schools or study a subject part-time at Bible college or going to beach mission over Christmas to share Jesus with kids. See Helsor Co. if you want to go to beach mission. Uh, that's choosing God's kingdom over what's comfortable. That's seeking God's kingdom. Uh, we seek God's kingdom in a hundred small decisions so that we slowly wean our heart off earthly things and begin to build a, a hunger and, and a rhythm with heavenly things. I think we start doing it by faith. We start trusting God that choosing these things will be best, even if we wouldn't naturally choose them. But what Jesus is promising is that as we begin, as we choose to to set our treasure in heaven, then our heart uh, will begin to be directed there as well. I think that's what verse 34 is getting at when it says, where your treasure is, where you decide that's where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, your life will begin to be conformed to that decision where you've set your treasure. And you will begin to find more joy in those things that you originally did out of obedience only. And the old things that you used to chase will seem more and more empty. I think there's a real insight here into human nature Jesus doesn't just command us to stop seeking earthly things. He doesn't say just stop worrying about them. He he says replace them with a better treasure. Uh, Distraction therapy, perhaps, in a way. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first the glory of God. Seek first the name of Jesus and the spread of the gospel and the health of your church and walking with Jesus and growing in godliness. Seek the kingdom first. Set your heart on them, and earthly treasure will lose its sparkle. Uh, When our dog Charlie was alive, uh, sometimes we needed to take an old bone from him. You know, they they would get dried out and splintered and dangerous, but he would get very protective over this old bone. And so the best way to take the old bone off him was to actually offer him a distraction, give him a nice, fresh juicy, new bone, and then he would happily give up the old one because he had something better that he was seeking instead. Now, it's the same with our desires, with our heart. The only way to stop loving earthly treasure is to love heavenly treasure more. We can't just stop loving one thing. We have to replace it with a greater love. Thomas Chalmers, a Scottish Presbyterian minister, Uh, in the early 19th century, preached a famous sermon called, I love this title, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And here's part of what he said in his sermon. It is impossible for the heart, by any innate elasticity of its own, which I think means any ability to change, to cast the world away from it. The heart is not so constituted. And the only way to dispossess it of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. 
In other words, we can't just stop loving the things of the world. We, we have to find something that is more valuable and more lovely to replace it. Jesus commands us not to be anxious. And the root of our anxiety is our love for the things of this world. And so the only way to be cured of the, the love for the world is to love Jesus more, to seek his kingdom more, to spend time in his word and in prayer. Seeking Jesus is walking through life in a constant, grateful, joyful conversation with him. Uh, loving him means knowing him and obeying him. As we do that, we'll begin to trust him more. Uh, we'll be able to let go of our own power and control. Our confidence that God will provide will grow and worry will ease. It's not just something we do on our own. Uh, this is a team sport, uh, as is every part of the Christian life. Uh, Ephesians 5.19 says that we're to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making music in our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to him for everything, reminding each other by our words and our songs and our prayers, reminding each other by our lifestyle about how good God is, what a treasure his kingdom is, and how seeking his kingdom is far better and more satisfying than seeking the things of this world. May our testimony to one another be that of the psalmist. When I said my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I'm aware that uh, everyone here is at a different place uh, in terms of how they're feeling about um, tomorrow. Uh, and they have a whole range of different things that are tempting them to, to be anxious. Uh, wherever people are at, Lord, uh, we pray for each of us that you will help us to look to Jesus, uh, to trust that you are good and powerful, uh, a Father who provides and cares. Help us to, to uh, not seek the, the things of this world, uh, comfort and control and power, uh, pleasure. Uh, help us instead uh, to see, to recognise, uh, to trust uh, the treasures of your kingdom, uh, the treasures of your son, the Lord Jesus. And so we pray all of this in his name. Amen.